In 2016, Earth detected a signal from an unknown region of space with no observable stars. The contents of this signal appears to be a series of data packets and a decryption key. Once decrypted, the data contained a number of logged entries from two planets in a binary system. Using the translation matrix sent in the data packet, researchers have translated the entries into English. The following transmissions were declassified and given to us to present. Log entry, Haimavina 19, 2281, 81st year in the Age of Ascendance. Hey, hey, Gisto. I'm thrilled to hear about your father. I'm pleased to know that he's doing well. He's probably very happy that you moved closer. Probably even happier to see you and Amai together. You know what would make him even happier? A school. This is just based on the reactions of my parents, and I assume all of them are the same. The way Amai wrote about you, I could have told you she was sweet on you. I'm very happy for you, and it sounds like you're both a match. I told my parents about the gardens, and they were very touched that Vila would name one of them for our family. I think they were more surprised, maybe a little proud, that I even shared the greenhouse idea with you. My parents would like to know how the greenhouses are doing and what's the yield like. Thanks for your advice on the hypoxia issues. I passed your information to my friends at EC. They said, sadly, even with our breathing tubes that deliver extra oxygen, people are still getting sick. If the victim comes down quick enough, they can be treated before it becomes life-threatening. But the longer someone stays at altitude, the greater risk they have of developing fluid in their lungs or brain. Obviously, the best option is to avoid high altitudes, but that's become more difficult since the volcano, and people are experiencing mild symptoms at lower altitudes. I have to carry a nebulizer now because my lungs were damaged when I had hypoxia, and I sometimes get coughing attacks. Okay. The lander and the satellites started communicating with each other? That must have been spooky to see. What have they found out about the devices since then? There were markings of a person throwing a spear? Interesting. It sounds like your aliens may be humanoid at least. Maybe your species actually comes from another planet. Ever thought of that? Oh, hi, Mavina. I sound like one of those Yothians. But why not, right? So, you asked about the twins. The twins are exhausting. The beasts are now two. Frida and Helgi, a girl and a boy, named for my grandmother and Lars's late father. My grandmother swears she's looking into a mirror when she sees little Frida. I have to admit, it's true. Also, they both have the lighter eyes of the new sparks. The beasts are both laying with Floki in his bed. If there was a way to send you an image, this is the one, mostly because they're quiet. <laughs> Once they said their first words, which was Floki, of course, they have not stopped talking constantly asking questions, and if we don't answer them, they talk to each other in what Lars says is spooky twin speak. It's hysterical. It's like we don't even have to be in the room. I joke mostly. They were easy babies, and they're good kids. And as expected, the parents cannot get enough of them. They're here all the time. You asked about the naming ceremony, which was ridiculous. Everyone that was invited came, and even those that weren't invited still came. It was even featured in some celebrity broadsheet. I'm pretty sure that was my grandmother's doing. Okay, enough about the kids. I'm afraid if they sense me talking about them, they will wake up. So, Brad at station. I don't even know where to start. Surprisingly, ECAL has been moving very slowly with the exploration and exploitation of Brad at station. Ancient space stations just don't turn on once you enter them, no matter what you see on astrofiction programs. 
Initial efforts to access the station proved embarrassingly, but predictably unsuccessful. The first approach and the attempt to open one of the airlocks was broadcast live, and nearly every mana was glued to the screen. Predictably, the attempt failed in a spectacular fashion, and ECAL managed to close an armor door over an airlock. Fortunately, no one was injured, and it doesn't appear that any real damage was done to that airlock. A second attempt, not during a live broadcast, was successful in opening another airlock. The process of opening the doors released a small amount of atmosphere, but it appears that the ancients intentionally shut down the station in order to preserve it. I can't even begin to explain the arguments and speculation that is caused among the entire population. We had expected to find bodies or something, but it was just empty. No signs of an accident or violence. Like someone just folded up a sail carefully and packed it for storage. ECAL's ability to explore the station, which is massive, has been limited so far due to the technical restraints of our vacuum suits. ECAL astronauts are only able to spend perhaps an hour outside of their lander before running the risk of running out of air. Despite this, ECAL has reported that they have reached what they believe is a control center, not the main one, but perhaps a secondary location. From this site, we've been able to learn a great deal about the power and life support systems that have been used to keep the station habitable. As far as we can tell, Braddis Station has a hybrid power source, a combination of nuclear and solar. The nuclear reactor is unlike any design we've ever seen or invented ourselves, though scientists are fairly certain that the reactor is designed to fuse hydrogen atoms to release power. Haimavina is on the cusp of developing commercial nuclear power generated by splitting atoms, but this is way beyond anything we've ever conceived of. It took several months to locate the reactor building because it was constructed away from the main station. Our best guess is that it was built far away in order to prevent radioactivity or damage to the main station complex in the event of an accident. According to ECAL, the ancients appeared to have executed a full intentional reactor shutdown protocols and safely disabled the reactor, placing it in stasis. Our working assumption is that during the intervening 2,000 years, many components probably deteriorated due to age, and nobody has even suggested attempting to power it back up. We hardly understand what we're looking at, let alone which seals to check. ECAL deployed an additional research team to the reactor site, and they've been working well past the safety parameters of their air tanks. But this discovery is worth the risk, or so ECAL claims. The other power source is equally interesting, but substantially less dangerous. The ancients built a large solar power array near Braddock Station, complete with battery banks. Initial tests suggest that the solar array is sufficient to run backup power and life support, but not fully power the computers, docking bays, and other large equipment. Astronauts spent several weeks slowly cleaning the dust and debris from the panels, and the system slowly powered itself back on. The life support equipment cycled, but there was no atmosphere, so it automatically shut down. The emergency lighting has helped the teams move around, but I'm told that the alarms are incredibly annoying and nobody has figured out a reliable way to turn them off. A detailed inspection of the station indicates that the seals have deteriorated through the entire facility. A number of the internal doors were sealed and ECAL's working assumption is that the life support system, while it still had power, sealed the doors to sections of the station that were venting. However, as the solar array lost power, the system was no longer able to seal off the leaks, and the station effectively bled to death. Back to square one. We live in strange and fascinating times, Gisto. Iria. Log entry, Vela 19. 
Vela Rotat, 2603, cycle four of the fifth annual. Dear friend Iria, I'm very nervous right now. It feels like the eerie calm on the sea before either a smooth sailing or a storm. As you know, Amaya and I have been together for a while now. Recently, she asked to take part in a mating ceremony. This is wonderful news. She asked a total of four males to be selected, and Amaya insisted that I be one of them. This is very unusual as I'm a little older than the others. Amaya and I met with the others that she selected. Johnny, who is from one of the construction teams in Laar. Sonai, who works in the administration section for the council, and Daru, also from the radio lab. We spent a full annual together to get to know each other. They are really wonderful villains that will make great fathers. The whole process is very involved and a bit like your naming ceremony in the way of a big celebration. Every city and town usually has a mating hall, pool, or lake. Some are bigger than others. During the time of the ceremony, all of the females dive into the water and await the males. As the males are brought in, they all attempt amazing acrobatics as they swim around their selected female. This was not my strongest moment. I believe I may have belly flopped more than once. Amai laughed with a loving smile though, which helped me to continue. Each male will continue performing while moving closer and closer to the female. As soon as all of us are close enough, the lights in the hall go out and we, well, I'll leave that part for the biology books. Afterwards, we spend time just holding each other. Johnny, Sonai, and Daru are now forever part of my school. My new brothers. Amai was practically glowing afterwards. When it's all done, those that were involved, all of the males and females, gather together for a big feast and the rest of our schools come in for food and swimming. When the ceremony is finished, the females are taken to a creche where all of their needs are completely taken care of. Amai essentially gets to switch in careers as she takes on the pregnancy. While my new brothers and I pace the floors for eight annuals and try to distract ourselves with our daily work. As of this transmission, we still have four annuals to go. Laar has a very good crash, so I know I shouldn't be worried. Amai has even sent messages every day to let us all know that she is doing well and that everything is going as expected. Webs crossed that she will be coming home soon. Father is doing much better now as well. He was able to attend the ceremony, but stayed to the side so as to not exert himself. He was so proud watching us perform. He has been staying home a lot more as the doctors have ordered him to reduce his workload. So now he does a lot more consultation and advising on the occasions when he comes into the office. He said to send you a hey hey. Well, it was more of a send her greetings and well wishes on the occasion of her giving forth new life. But I think a hey hey would do just fine. The greenhouses are doing amazingly well. I think we are still a few rotats out from seeing any noticeable impact but the numbers that have been coming in look good. All of Senoth is excited about them. We are all so glad to hear about how well your twins are doing. I can only imagine the trouble that they will get into as they get older. I'm sure that your grandmother is very proud to have one of them named after her. That is such an honor for both her and a great way to remember Lars' father. 
Please tell me that you have started their swimming classes. It's an important skill. I told the story of their first words to father, and he said that apparently my first word was star. He thinks it's because of all of the times he brought me into his work, and we spent looking up at the night sky. Who knows? Maybe the star that I was looking at when I said it was Aluda. The information coming in about Braddoth Station has been a regular story on our broadcasts as well. I don't think they are getting everything, just the highlights, and it makes me feel special to be getting some of the inside info that you are sending. Don't worry, I don't leak any information to anyone. Usually when people say something about how Haimavina now has fully operational moon base, I just smile and nod and giggle internally. I know that your eCal will eventually get there, but it's fun to watch the information come in and see how it changes along all of the tellings. To hear some Velens talk, you would think that your people would be flying to Vela any cycle now. I imagine it must be very frustrating to your astronauts to be so limited on how much time they are spending out exploring the base. How long do they actually get to stay out before needing to restock their air? Is there any risk to them of hypoxia? That would be horrible to be afflicted with something so devastating and still be so far from home. I'm sure that Ecal has all of these questions answered, but I'm just curious. Who knows? Maybe some of this information can help when we finally send someone up. It's especially interesting to hear about the different forms of power on the base. On Vela, we primarily use hydroelectric and solar energy. So we can relate when it comes to cleaning the panels. A long time ago, teams looked into the idea of splitting atoms to create power. I had to talk to some of the older scientists and do some research into the topic to find out more, but it turns out that many of them, being the cautious types that we are, considered the process too dangerous and the whole project was scrapped. Since then, we have used hydrogen for fuel and relied on solar, water, wind, and geothermal for our power. Oddly enough, when I was digging, some of the younger scientists saw what I was looking into, and now there's a renewed interest. I'm not sure if that's good or bad yet. Work has continued on the satellite, of course. Most of my work has been focused on deciphering the signal language that the satellite is using to communicate with the land artifact. Given the age of the land device, I'm really surprised that it even functions at all. The thing looks like it was picked over with sticks, written on with mud, and pulled apart and re-put back together so many times that the threading on some parts are worn out. It's fascinating to see the markings on the lander that have been documented in so many of our ancient texts show up all over the satellite. It's taken over a rotat, but we have a consistent signal now going between the two, and it looks like most of the information is analytical. The satellite collecting data from the lander on samples it was taking. The odd part is how the satellite is trying to send a second signal out to transmit this data. We don't yet know where it's trying to send this though. There has been some debate lately about doing a complete teardown of both devices, documenting the whole process and then rebuilding them in a cleaner state, replacing parts as needed to try and get a better idea. We have taken some pieces apart for study, but nothing at a full scale. I am all for this process because it will give us a better understanding of both the device and improvements that we could make to our own systems. In the meantime, I will continue to stare at waveforms and work out a way to triangulate where these signals are going. At least it's something to keep me busy instead of pacing the floor in the flat. It's been very lonely there since Amai went in for the pregnancy. 
I might have forgotten to mention that she moved in with me. Sorry, it's been a little busy. My new flat was more than big enough for the two of us, and since she was spending so much time there anyways, we figured we would just take the dive and live together. Sometimes when she calls in, I put the terminal on speaker and just work around the flat while we are talking so at least it feels like she's there. Soon she will be back, and I hope that she will be bringing new joy to all of our lives. Was Lars this nervous before the twins came? May the waves bring Amai home soon, and also guide us. Gisto. Log entry, Haimavina 20, 2283, 83rd year in the Age of Ascendance. Hey, hey, Gisto. Congratulations on your school. This is very exciting news. Being a parent will have its trials and challenges, but it will also have its joys and wonderment. <laughs> I'm speaking like I have some wisdom having only been a parent for a few years, but I truly wish the best for you, your new brothers, and especially Amai. We've been friends for long enough that sometimes I forget how alien your culture and rituals are when viewed through the lens of my culture and traditions. Yeah, so, um, anyway, the twins are now four and they are talking nonstop. Of course, they want to grow up to be astronauts. Thanks, Ecal. I should have seen that coming. Braddett Station is still not fully functional. However, Ecal found a way to seal several parts of the station. They've mostly occupied something that looks like living quarters, which has been great for the astronauts and researchers because it gives them more time in the station. They can remove their suits and sleep. Braddeth has a light gravity and ECAL personnel can walk on the surface without too much trouble. Inside the station, the air pressure is increasingly steady and is becoming more and more like sea level on Haimavina. The solar ray is very large and work is required daily to clean the new sections and keep already uncovered sections clean. It's heavy, boring work, but no one really complains about it because the view from the moon's surface is spectacular. We did a news segment about the process and I kept losing track of my questions because the images coming across the feeds. No, we are not flying around the system yet, but I'm not surprised to hear that ECAL is exaggerating their triumphs to their Vila counterparts. My sources have said ECAL is already working on plans for a launch to Randir in the coming months. This does not make a lot of sense to me, given that they have barely have sustainable air and power at Braddett Station. But sure, let's go explore a new moon. What could go wrong? I sound more like my father the older I get. News that ECAL intends to visit Randir has a Sankoma in arms, and my arguments aren't the only ones out there. Much of the concerns is due to ECAL's request for an even bigger budget. I'm probably not making any friends inside ECAL's executive suite because I make these arguments on air at the end of my broadcast. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. I got promoted to Evening Studio Anchor. I co-host a science and political news show with Eric. You may remember him from my Volcano broadcast. So now I get to voice my opinions like I have some authority, which of course I don't. <laughs> All kidding aside, the salary was almost double and we have a huge staff of researchers and field reporters to chase down interesting stories. And no, I still don't let anyone fetch me hot drinks. There are still some things I draw a line on. <laughs> anyway, the really big news right now is EC's latest discovery down here on Haimovina. Remember those buildings I told you about under the glacier? Well, EC is pretty certain it was a university. They are excavating as quickly and safely as they can be. 
They hope to find a library soon, but so far they've managed to unearth an enormous auditorium. Well, to be more exact, they have found a way into the auditorium. It's bigger than the ones at Hopnia University. Sadly, the backstage control room is empty and the explorers didn't find any books or manuals. It looks like most things were done on computers. I know EC is keeping a lot of things on ice, but I did learn from my sources that they did uncover a lot of archived data files. Of course, they may have found crystal rocks for all we understand how to access them. Any more information on that lander? I'm still in shock that both devices are talking with each other. Maybe it's spooky twin speak. <laughs> but seriously, they're sending out a signal? Ooh, maybe there's another fallen satellite on another part of your world that's trying to communicate with that one. Or another one in orbit? I can't wait to hear about the little ones. Just remember, no matter what, the mother is always right. Iria. Log entry, Vela 20. Vela Rotat, 2605. Cycle 5 of the 6th Annual. Dear Iria, I have a newfound respect for my father and what he went through when raising me. Children are a lot of work. As you might expect, a few annuals after my last transmission, Amai gave forth five amazing new children. Three boys and two girls. The procedure for giving forth is not as big as the previous ceremony, but Johnny, Daru, Sanai, and myself were all there in the water waiting anxiously. As the children are released, they instinctively swim to their fathers. A boy and a girl both swam to Sonai, one boy swam to Johnny, another to Daru, and the most beautiful little girl on the entire planet, next to Amai, swam to me. That was the day that we welcomed young Ori into our world. Amai spent a few more cycles in the creche to make sure she was doing well, which she was, and after a long rest, has come back to work. Ori is almost two Rutats old now, and has taken to pressing every button she can see wherever we take her. I honestly have no idea where she gets that from. Sadly, my father's health has declined some, and he has spent the last few annuals in a hospice home. He is very well taken care of, and we visit as much as possible. He always asks us to bring Ori with us. They play together when he can, and she babbles at him all day long. Father has been asking for both Amai and I to stay together and raise Ori. Amai and I had discussed this possibility, and it was always the plan. She and I would raise Ori together. Amai is still very involved with the other children, visiting with them when she can, but I like to think that Ori is a little special to her because she's part of both of us. This really is a new era for Vela, and how schools are raised. I guess I didn't think about how some of our ceremonies and traditions could be viewed to someone outside of Vela. Something that seems so normal to us must feel very alien to you and the rest of Haimavina. Given that, I'm glad that our messages aren't public anymore. Much of our mating and intimacy is just so open and natural here that I didn't think about how it would come across to someone else. Congratulations on your promotion. I bet the EC is kicking themselves for not giving you that story all those Rotats ago. Who knew that they were passing up the future evening studio anchor? And now you're a big voice for your planet. I am sure that your whole school is proud of you. I know that your extended school on Vela is. 
you have a big fan here. I have gone back and reread many of your older transmissions to Ori. It's honestly one of the best ways to calm her down and keep her quiet. She sits and listens, very attentive to every word, and when I finish, she begs for the next one. Ori is very curious about the ramifications of sending two different teams to two different moon bases. Okay, those weren't exactly her words, but I was curious. It sounded like they were having enough difficulties getting into the moon base on Braddoth. We have a saying here, never dive deeper than you can breathe. It also sounds like there is still so much more to find and explore on Braddoth, especially now that your people can function inside the base easier. After doing all of the research on the satellite and living in CNR, which is historical in its own right, I would love to visit and explore your dig site under the glacier. Imagine all of the discoveries of your ancient people that are just waiting to be found. To be able to learn about how they lived and why they aren't around anymore. I could spend cycle after cycle just poring over the data there. I have spent so much time working to decipher the signals from the satellite and lander here, I would love to get my webs on the data your people are seeing. Is the EC hiring a data analyst? Can I work remotely? Ah, one can dream of the possibilities. In the meantime, I am spending my time cleaning and cataloging all of the pieces of the two artifacts here. We opted for a full teardown and rebuild so all of our offices are filled with every piece of the satellite and lander, down to the screws that held it together. Everything is meticulously documented so that when we are ready to rebuild, we will have a full user manual to guide us through putting it all back together. The components are fascinating and way beyond anything we have built here, but the technology has helped us to improve many of our own systems. Work is already underway to revamp some of the satellites that we were preparing to launch with the information that we have learned here in the labs. We should see improved clarity and range from our systems. There is talk about using some of this new tech and improving the radio lab arrays as well, but that would mean a total overhaul of the system, and there is way too much going on at the moment for that kind of downtime. There are also some in the council here who think that it would help our relations with Haimovina to send a lot of our findings to the scientists at the EC. Personally, even though the past has been a little rough seas, I think it's important to share our scientific discoveries and calm the waters between us. That, and having some extra eyes on this data would be a great help. The last bit of great news I have for you is that the Trainor launch facility has been completely rebuilt. It's not on the exact location. The new pad has been upgraded with many of the new improvements that we've been making here, and security has been a top priority. Unlike some of the smaller launch facilities, Trainor is situated right along the center line of Vela, so it's a prime location for the best possible launches for larger spacecraft. Large enough spacecraft for a Velen team. It's still a few annuals away, but we are all cautiously excited as we prep for the first Velens to go into space. The mission, we are told, will just be a simple spacewalk. There are more missions scheduled to work on satellites that are in orbit and to conduct various experiments. I think, for obvious reasons, I can't go into some of the missions. Not because they're secret or anything, but because of the previous events, they just aren't telling us everything. You can be sure that we will have a huge gathering at the vid screens to watch the launch though. Amai and I are planning to have Ori on our lap 
to watch the whole thing. May the waves guide us to space. Gisto. Log entry, Hymavina 21, 2285, 85th year in the Age of Ascendance. Hey, hey, Gisto. A girl! What amazing news! Ori! What a beautiful name. What does her name mean? Or was she named for someone? Either way, it's lovely. She sounds like she's a bit of a handful. I say this eyeing the twins who are harassing poor Floki, who is patiently allowing them to... Is that paint? Just a second. Okay, I'm back. I'm a little jealous you only have one kid to worry about. How is my doing? I have sympathy for anyone who carried five babies. I would ask the details, but I think I'm fine really not knowing some things. I'm really sorry to hear about your father. Gosh, hospice. I really thought he was doing better. I'm really glad to hear that Ori is giving him joy. Tell him hello for me and that rest is the best thing he can do. I'm impressed that your scientists are taking the time and creating a manual to re-engineer the lander and satellite. That makes total sense. I can't say that the same practice is done here as often. I think our scientists here get so excited they forget to follow procedures and end up with a bunch of random parts strewn across the floor. Sometimes I wonder how my species advanced as far as it did, because I swear, we are still those same mana launching bogeys in the air without realizing those things can come down on our heads. So Randir. We landed on Randir. Ecal timed their launch so Randir was as close to Hymavina as possible. The astronauts had enough time to walk around, take photos, and survey the facilities. It seems like this station is not as vast and more utilitarian in design. Hopefully that makes sense. There isn't a lot of details available about this mission. During their return trip to Hymavina, there was a fire in the storage compartment of the command module, and the astronauts were forced to make an emergency landing on Braddock. Unfortunately, ECAL lost two astronauts. Reports sound like they basically crash-landed on one of the landing platforms at Braddock Station. If ECAL hadn't already established a large presence on Braddock Station, they would have lost the entire crew. I wish I could give you more information, but I can't. I was fired. It seems someone, very curious at EC, did get bored and decrypted our transmissions. EC sent the transmissions to ECAL security who, in turn, were not too thrilled about how much information I have divulged to someone on another planet. They're also not too happy with how much information you seem to have as a regular VLAN. I know I said we take security seriously, but this is ridiculous. I filed a formal complaint because all the information I've been sending to you was public knowledge. Also, I can't control what data EC chooses to provide to their VLAN counterparts and what they do with that information in return. However, it seems I've chipped enough ECAL's ice with my evening show that they demanded JCN fire me. The JCN front office tried to defend me and was ready to publish every transmission I had ever written since leaving EC, but ECAL's a powerful organization with deep connections in the public and private sectors. In the end, JCN folded and their security officers stood in my office as I packed personal items into boxes. I was furious and humiliated, and my coworkers just stood in shocked silence as I was escorted out of the building. People I had known for decades. My news director called the security people some nasty names and called me later to tell me that she was disciplined for insubordination. I guess the joke's on them, though, because JCN was obligated to pay the rest of my five-year contract, which was, well, 
<laughs> fairly substantial. ECAL hasn't stopped there, though. They've repeatedly called me into closed-door meetings that feel more like interrogations. Gisto, they have combed through everything I have ever sent you. I'm sorry. EC and ECAL are conducting internal investigations and have spoken with everyone I've ever worked with at EC and JCN. They've harassed my friends at ECAL, gone through my phone and electronic messages, and they've worked through my call list to find sources inside ECAL. Their questions are focused on how I knew about the problem with the fusion reactor on Braddock, budget issues, and even the greenhouses. I argued that this information was public knowledge, and most of the information was publicized on air. It's already out there, broadcasted. It's in the universe. Even my volcano broadcast was scrutinized because it was played on Vila. It's insane. They are claiming that what I reported was leaked classified information that potentially damaged Yothian national security and are demanding that I name my EC and ECAL sources. <laughs> I will not do that because it violates my rights to free speech and my journalistic integrity. Not to mention that this is public available information. My avocat believes ECAL is just trying to make an example of me and the courts will hold me in contempt if I don't cooperate. So it looks like I'm going to prison. Iria Newspark, crusader for free speech. I guess it doesn't sound so bad. My mother-in-law says that she will stay here if it comes to that. She thinks I'm crazy. Why don't you just tell them, she says. I told my grandmother not to interfere. She was about ready to storm the doors of the Sam Coma and demand a formal inquiry. That would cause such an avalanche. My parents are worried about the kids. Lars says not to worry and to stand up for my convictions. He's such a mountain. I'm really lucky. I'm not giving up my sources. I don't see what I did wrong. I'm having a private conversation with my friend who I've known forever. So guess what? You're famous again. <laughs> Public opinion and tabloids have had a snow day with this. The famous Erie News Park in the shoals. Half of the coverage is supportive and the other half is calling me a traitor who put Haimavina at risk and demand that we break contact with Vila. It's a circus. Me? I don't give a frosty fart about what the media is saying or what people think of me. I'm worried about the twins. They're still too young to understand. I find myself wandering into their rooms at night just to look at them. They're so cute. They tell me they will take care of Papa and Floki if I have to go away. It breaks my heart. They say goodnight to you every night, by the way. When they say their goodnight wishes, they always have one for you. Their wishes go like this. We wish goodnight to our mother and father because they keep us safe and happy. We wish goodnight to our grandmothers and grandfather Chris because they bring us joy and gifts. We wish goodnight to Fifi because she's wise and funny. We wish goodnight to Floki because he's so good and fluffy. We wish goodnight to Gisto because he can swim in the sea. We wish goodnight to Disnu because he's not feeling good and he needs the waves. We wish goodnight to Haimavina for she gives us life and harmony. Lars's mother taught them that. It's sweet, huh? Remember, they're only six. Swimming in the sea is a very cool idea to them because they can't really do it here. They don't understand what an alien is. Helgi thinks that you live on Braddoth and claims that he will visit you when he's older. <laughs> These kids. Well, if you don't hear from me for a while, you will know where I am. Hopefully my avocado can work something out. I'm certainly paying him enough. <sighs> Just uh, what am I going to do? Iria. Log entry, Vela 21, Vela Rotat 2607, cycle 25, 
of the fourth Anul. Transmission sent in the Haimavina language of Yothian. Hello, Haimavina. My name is Gisto Sedizun. Some of you may know me. I have been talking with one of your own, Iria Nufspark, for over 40 years. Both our planets and ourselves have gone through incredible changes in that time. We have grown up together, shared our greatest accomplishments, and felt the incredible sadness of each other's failures and defeats. Vela has watched our nearest planetary neighbor grow from simply digging around in ice mountains to launching incredible missions to nearby planets. Haimavina has watched theirs reach for the stars and perhaps fail, but get up and try again. As a person, I have seen Iria accomplish incredible deeds in the face of opposition and rise above those who would hold her back. She has seen me deal with incredible loss and betrayal and then work to bring peace to my people. I am speaking to you now in your own language so that it cannot be filtered or censored in translation because I feel that a great wrong has been done. Iria has done nothing more than talking to a friend about the events happening on her planet. These are things that she is proud of and excited about because of the incredible discoveries and accomplishments that her people, you, have made in spite of overwhelming odds. This was deemed to be a harsh enough crime that she is being threatened with imprisonment, with being taken away from her children. The people doing this to her? Your Expeditionary Corps Aeronautical Lab. The same people who felt the destruction of an entire city on my planet did not warrant the punishment that we inflicted on one of our own villains, a people out of their jurisdiction, airspace, and culture. The same people who admonished and cut ties with us because we sentenced a single villain to death for causing one of the biggest environmental disasters on our planet. Those people arrested and sentenced Amana of your world because she spoke of the incredible accomplishments of the planet that she was proud of to her friend on another world. Those accomplishments? Guess what? We already knew about them. Ever since we have had a radio telescope, we have been listening to you. My father has been working at the radio labs since I was just a child. We have been hearing everything that was ever broadcast from your planet. Your entertainment programs, news, broadcasts, radio conversations, everything. Personally, I'm a big fan of Tragard. I was very excited when Nihilus got together with Cyanea. We are only on season four though, so please, no spoilers. Also, please inform Commander Taralu Piers that her mother's Lufska sounds delicious. I can tell you this information freely because I know that you have been doing the same to us, listening to the signals that we send out. Guess what? We don't care. Velens have always been a people of openness and sharing. My father reached out to your people to start this youth program because he wanted us all to be friends. What better base to start from for openness and friendly sharing than our children. 
As you may know, I am a father myself. I want my Ori to grow up in a world where she doesn't have to keep secrets from people she considers friends. And my people do consider Haimavina to be their friends. We all live in this system together. This is our neighborhood. Eluda and Van La have been living together since they came into existence. The stars orbit each other and give life to us. We have shared technology, scientific ideas, and our culture with you on a regular basis. Even when your Samkoma cut us off, we still fought to keep talking. Iria Nufspark is my sister. Maybe not by birth, but she has been welcomed into my family time and time again. I know what family means to you on your planet. Know that it means the same here. Our culture and practices may be different, but I would do anything for my family. And so this is what I am doing. We don't want our people to be at odds with each other. Ever since our scientists reached out for the first time, our goal was to always be friends. This was my father's wish. He always taught me that bringing people together was the way to solve any problem and that freezing them out was a way to disaster. He believed that until his last breath. This is his legacy now, and I will uphold that with every bit of my being. Yes, my father, Dezun Sedelnar Rogisto, passed away. My father fought with passion and vigor to ensure that we could all come together as a planet and as a system in harmony. This is the mantle that I will be carrying now. Please do not grieve him. Instead, celebrate him as we will. His name will forever be part of our history. Not just Vela, but Haimavina as well. His name will echo throughout the Eluda Von La system for eons. A part of the celebration of my father is the commission and launch of our first spacecraft to carry a Velen off our planet. For many years, we have been working to reach the stars, and that dream has become a reality. The spacecraft, carrying a capsule named Dezone 1, has launched, and the capsule has made a successful orbit three times around our planet. During the testing and lead-up to this event, no lives were lost, no injuries were reported, and everything went as planned. This was, in part, due to the information that we have all shared with each other. I have worked with the Council of Vela, and they have all unanimously agreed to allow this message to be sent from every radio telescope directed at Haimavina, and sent at the highest possible power. We want this message heard by every mana. Please do not reply immediately. Think on what I have said here. Work with your Samcoma and your Ecal. Talk to them and please help Iria. As you are no doubt aware, due to my messages being made public there, we are working on our own discoveries of ancient technology here. We are using this information to upgrade our systems. Our radio telescopes will be intermittently offline as we perform upgrades over the next few months. I will be sending a message to Iria when it is complete. You are all welcome to read it as I am done hiding from the spotlight. May the waves guide and protect us all in this difficult time. Your small dot in the sky. Gisto se Dezun.
You have been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of Iria is read by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. Gisto is read by Steve Petricelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. For more information, visit binarysaga.com. You can contact us on the Twitter handle of at the binary saga, or you can click the contact button on the website binarysaga.com. May the waves guide you. <laughs>